Hey family, this is Josh Eggerson. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Faith Restored podcast. Faith Restored is a local church with a global mission to reach the lost and teach the found. And it's our hope that the word you're about to hear today encourages you, inspires you, and builds your faith. If you'd like to learn more about Faith Restored, you can visit us on our website at faithrestored.church. Now let's go live into this week's message. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number one. Hallelujah. I'm going to read a piece of a verse in your hearing. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. Hear the word of the Lord. Amen. It says, and let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Amen. And let us lay aside every weight, every weight, and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Amen. Uh, I want to preach for a little while. You may be seated. I want to preach for a little while using as a subject weight loss goals. Weight loss goals. Amen. Father, thank you for this time. Help us now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Weight loss goals. At the end of 2019, Vitagene.com, a fitness blog, performed a survey across all 50 states to find out what was America's most popular New Year's resolution going into 2020. And after collecting the data, they discovered that overwhelmingly most Americans had resolved that more than anything else they wanted to do in 2020, they wanted to lose weight. More than saving money, more than quitting a bad habit, more than going back to school and finishing their degree. Americans who were heading into the new year had decided that they were going to get rid of their extra pounds and get in shape. While many of us, either now or at some point in the past, have shared this desire to slim down physically or to get in better shape, what oftentimes we fail to realize is that it is not the excess weight on our bodies that is holding us back but rather the excess weight that we are carrying in our souls. Whether we realize it or not, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, then we are in what the Bible calls a race to become more like Jesus. And the reality is that some of us are in danger of losing the race and not reaching the destination of Christ-likeness because we haven't released the behaviors, the thought processes, the attitudes, the habits, and the appetites that are ultimately slowing us down. And I know that for many of us, it's not easy to see, but no matter who we are and no matter how long we've been following Jesus, all of us have things in our lives that if left unchecked will keep us from becoming all that God wants us to be. And the challenge that God lays before every believer is is for us to identify those things that are holding us back and then lay them aside so that we can run for Jesus at full speed. This is hard for us to accept because we live in a culture of accommodation, a culture that makes us believe that we can recreate Christ to become who we want him to be instead of being conformed to who Christ wants us to be. And because of this, our thought process has been warped to a dangerous place because now instead of moving things out of the way to make room for the will of Christ in our lives, we instead try to figure out what worldly attitudes, mindsets, and behaviors we can hold on to and still have Jesus. We know this to be true because even during this period of fasting and consecration, most of us have not been focused on removing obstacles so that we can become closer to God. We haven't been devoting time to prayer and getting into God's word and assessing ourselves to see what we can change so that we can get to the next level. But instead, we've been trying to figure out what we can get away with and still be considered fasting. We want to know what music we can still listen to, what food we can still have. Can we scroll on social media if we don't post anything? Can I go on Amazon and put it in my cart if I don't purchase it this week? Or do I really have to wait until six o'clock to eat? And we've even taken this attitude in our salvation. Instead of walking away from the things of the world, we try to see what parts of worldliness we can keep and still have God. 
And I want to be clear, I'm not a legalist. I believe in grace. But the reality is many of us don't understand that grace is given by God, not so that we can be free to be like the world, but grace is granted to the believer so that we have the power to be in the world, but not of the world, and to walk away from anything that is keeping us from becoming like Christ. And maturity in Christ, beloved, is not measured by whether or not the things you do will send you to hell. But maturity is measured by your ability to understand that a thing may not send you to hell, but it can still keep you from becoming like Jesus. This is the truth of spiritual growth. The more connected you become to Christ, the more disconnected you should become from the world. When we become like Christ, we do not stop living in the world. We don't stop paying attention to culture and to the things that are happening in the world. We don't even stop enjoying the wonderful things that the world that God has put in the world for us to enjoy. But as Christians, we do not love and crave the things of the world so much that we are unwilling to walk away from them so that we can be like Jesus. And many of us have said this year that we want to get closer to God and that we want to grow spiritually this year and the only way that you can do that is if you are willing to let go of the things that are keeping you from becoming like Jesus Christ if we're going to win the race of faith then we must constantly seek to rid ourselves of anything that would slow us down and I know it might seem like I keep saying the same thing over and over again but that's because I think that in this new version of Christianity we've lost the point we no longer understand the goal of Christianity and the goal of Christianity is not for us to get everything we want out of life. The goal of Christianity is not for us to prosper financially or to gain status or popularity or success on our jobs or to find the perfect spouse or to make new friends. And the problem is we have pulpits full of self-help gurus and motivational speakers calling themselves preachers, making people believe that following God. God is a way to get something when in actuality God's goal is not to give you something but God's goal is to make you something God help me the goal of the believer is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ and I know that's not a popular notion it's not as attractive as a new car or as a promotion on your job or as financial increase and in checks in the mail and all of those things are good but they are not the goal the goal is to be like Jesus and to get there we've got to be willing to get rid of anything that would stop us from becoming like him and I know it's not popular anymore but is there anybody in the building who can say it would be nice to have more money it would be nice to have more friends it would be nice to find a real relationship but what I really need is to become like Jesus okay y'all ain't gonna say nothing to me but the goal of the believer is not for you to get stuff it's for you to be like Jesus Christ Jesus did not die so that you could have him and not be like him Jesus died so that you could become like him because the only person that can please God is Jesus Christ and the only hope you have to please God is if you make yourself like the one who pleased him but God says in order to do that you've got to shed all of the excess weight and things in your life that are preventing you from becoming like him and to do this we have to be willing to lay aside what would slow us down as we chase after Jesus Christ. And whether you know it or not, beloved, this is the message of our text. We don't know really with certainty who wrote Hebrews because the writer never identifies himself in the text. But what we do know is that the writer is writing to Jewish Christians that are scattered abroad the Roman Empire because of persecution. The Christian faith had been headquartered in Jerusalem, but as Christianity began to grow, it became a threat to the religion of Judaism. And because of this, many Christians were being thrown in jail and killed for refusing to denounce their faith in Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, there were many Christians who were considering going back to Judaism to avoid being persecuted by their Jewish brethren. And the writer of Hebrews comes to share with them a simple message, and that is this. I know it might seem easier to go back. 
But don't go back because Jesus is better than where you've been. God help me. And that's a word for somebody in the building today who's struggling trying to walk with God in a culture that seems to be against God. It may seem like it would be easier to go back to your old ways, to your old relationships, to your old associations. But don't go back because Jesus is better than where you've been. God help me. Oh God help me preach. Look at somebody and tell them I know it was good but Jesus is better than that. Look. Oh God that's the wrong neighbor tell them Jesus is better than that. I know you're tempted to walk backwards back into where you used to be and it seemed like it'd be easier to do what you used to do and hang out with the people that you used to hang out with. Walking away from people is never easy. Walking away from comfort is never easy but God says do it anyway because Jesus is better than where you've been. You've already been in that relationship before. You've already tried those things. You've already fooled around with those people and tried those ideas before but you've never walked fully into the purpose of God. Jesus is better than where you've been. That's why you've got to stop looking back at what you think you left. God help me. You've got to stop looking back at what you think you've walked away from. Like you missed something by following God. You never miss anything by following God. Anything that God calls you away from. He's got something better for you on the other side. And the writer of Hebrews is telling them don't go back because Jesus is better than where you used to be. And when we get to our text the writer tells us then that we are in a race of faith and in Hebrews chapter 11 he gives us the names of men and women of God who faithfully ran the race by putting their trust in God people like Abraham Isaac and Jacob Gideon Deborah and Samson Joshua and David and he tells us that by faith they were able to run their race and bring glory to God and now they're seated in heavenly places as examples to us of what can happen if we place our trust in God so then when we finally get to Hebrews chapter 12 the writer is now telling us how we can be successful in our race and although verse 1 is a particularly powerful passage of scripture I just want to focus in on one specific instruction that the writer gives when he says lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us in other words the writer tells us that the key to victory in the race of faith is not just our ability to run but also our ability to rid ourselves of the things that slow us down or better yet if we want our 2020 to be great we've got to be willing to lose the weight and the weight is anything in our lives that interferes with the process of us becoming more like Jesus. Let me say that again. The weight is anything in your life that interferes with you becoming more like Jesus. Let me say it one more time to make sure you get it. The weight is anything, any person, any behavior, any relationship, any habit in your life that interferes with you becoming more like Jesus. And this is hard because we tricked ourselves into believing that just because some thoughts, some some actions and some habits won't send us to hell that they're actually okay but the truth is there's no such thing as spiritual neutrality yeah yeah either a thing is making you more like Jesus or it is working to make you less like him and as believers, a part of our spiritual growth is learning to identify and lay aside the things in our lives that are working to make us less like him. But because of our sinful nature, the truth is we would rather try to find ways to hold on to the weight until God has to forcibly remove it from us than to voluntarily lay it aside so that we can run for God at full speed. Come on, you know it to be true. There are things in your life right now that you know aren't really helping you. They may not be hurting you but they're not helping you they, 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 they're not spiritual but they're not necessarily all that bad but when you look at it it's not really helping you become more like God and because it's not helping you it's hurting you from becoming more or hindering you rather from becoming more like God and the truth is we want to hold on to stuff hoping that God will take it from us when the believer's job is to release it voluntarily yeah uh so the real question is then why do we hold on to the weight? The first reason I believe we hold on to the weight is because picking up weight is easy, but losing it takes work. God help me. 
Oh, God, anybody in the natural that's ever gained a few pounds, you know you ain't got to work hard to gain weight. God, help me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you ain't got to work hard to gain weight. But once you find that weight sitting on you, it's hard to lose after you've gained it. And the hardest thing for us to do, God, as a matter of fact, that's why so many people don't go to the gym. Because it's easy to gain weight, but we're afraid of the effort that we got to expend to lose weight. And it's the same when it comes to spiritual weight loss. But God says this is the season where you've got to want better so badly that you're no longer afraid of the work and you're willing to do whatever you've got to do to get where God wants you to be. God, help me. Uh, God is calling us to be a people that are so frustrated with where we are and want the next level so badly that whatever we got to do, whatever kind of work we got to put in, whatever struggle we got to go through, God says you got to be willing to go through it so that I can get you where you want to be. God, help me. But not only do we hold on to the weight because we're afraid of the work but the second reason why many of us hold on to the weight hear me now is because when you've had the weight so long you start to accept it as a part of who you are yeah 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 you you you, you when, when you've had the weight for so long and, and you've already adjusted your wardrobe to accommodate the weight and you, you've learned how to dress up the weight God help me you, you you've learned how to make the weight look good and, and, and you've learned how to work the weight to where now uh, uh, it's not really as big of a hindrance as it used to be because people even start telling you that the weight look good on you and, and, and so now you want to live with the weight because you've learned how to make the weight comfortable but God says it doesn't matter how long it's been on you and, and can I tell you something some of us don't think that we can lose weight. God, I'm talking about the spirit now. Get out the flesh. I'm talking about weight in the spirit. We don't think that we can lose it because it's been on us for so long. But God says no matter how long you've had the weight, it's never too late for you to lay it aside. God, help me. All right. Once you make a decision, beloved, that the weight has got to go, God says you can lay it aside. And somebody has to make the decision that today this weight has got to go. God, help me. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but is there anybody here who's tired of being burdened, tired of not being everything that God wants you to be, tired of not getting everything that God wants you to have tired of always running for God but then getting tired because you got too much mess on you you got the mess of your past and and the weight of your trauma and and the weight of depression on you and you want to get it off you but you feel like you can't but God says I can get it off you if you decide that today is the day that the weight has to go I'm done being comfortable with something that's unhealthy I'm done living with something that I shouldn't have to live with I'm done tolerating things that God wants to take off of me me. God says today is the day that this weight has got to go. But not only do we hold on to the weight because losing it takes work and because we've learned to be comfortable wearing the weight. But then thirdly, we hold on to the weight. Hear this now. We hold on to the weight because it's easy to become complacent when you compare your weight to the weight of somebody else. Yeah. 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 It's easy to become complacent when you compare your weight to the weight of others. So even though you got weight on you because you don't have as much weight on you as the other person. Uh huh. You feel like you in good shape because you're not as out of shape as somebody else. But the Bible says that we don't compare ourselves with one another. Come here, Bible readers. The Bible said that if you compare yourself with yourself, then you show that you really lack understanding. But the person that you should be comparing yourself with is Jesus Christ. And then when you compare yourself with Jesus Christ, you'll understand that spiritually, beloved, the goal is not for you to weigh less, but the goal is for you to become weightless God help me oh Lord the goal is not for you to weigh less the goal is for you to be weightless and the only weightless person is Jesus Christ so if I stop looking at my neighbor and how trifling my neighbor is and how crazy my neighbor is and all the issues that my neighbor has and I look at Jesus then I'll see that I always got work to do God help me oh God look at somebody and say baby you're not there yet huh? yeah yeah I 
I know you thought you were healthy because you're not as fat as your neighbor. You're not as unhealthy as the person next to you. But God says if you look at Jesus, you'll see that you always got work to do from the pulpit to the parking lot. We all got work to do. Uh, the person with the microphone and, and the person watching the children got as much work to do as everybody else. God says if you start looking at Jesus, then you'll understand that the goal ain't for you to weigh less, but you want to be perfect as he is perfect. You want to walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, be like Jesus. Yeah. So then God is calling us. I got to move. God is calling us then to lose the excess weight, to lay aside any and everything that would interfere with us becoming more like Jesus Christ. God has in essence then given us weight loss goals. But the question is, how do I achieve my weight loss goals? How do I release the things from my life that are keeping me from becoming more like Jesus? Yeah. How, how, how do I achieve my weight loss goals? I got three and I'm through. Number one, the first thing I have to do is I must be determined to remove it once God reveals it. Yeah. I must be determined to remove it once God reveals it. Can I say it again? I must be determined to remove it once God reveals it. The interesting thing about the Christian faith is that there are some things that God will do for us. But then there are other things that God empowers us to do for ourselves. And when it comes to spiritual weight loss, God will show you the weight. But it's your responsibility to get it off you. God help me. And the problem with many of us is we love praying for God to reveal stuff. But we are rarely prepared to deal with what's been revealed. But if we want to go to the next level, we have to be determined not just to identify the problem, but to put the problem down. God help me. Uh, this goes for the problems we like as well as the problems that we don't like. Yeah, because we're good at laying down the things that we're ashamed of, but we don't. But we like to hold on to the problems and the weights that are accepted by people, even if they're not accepted by God. Let me help you because you're acting like I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, it's easy uh, if you're an adulterer to lay down adultery because adultery is unacceptable. But then it's also easy for you to brag about the fact that you got a smart mouth and you like to cuss people out. Because even though God doesn't approve of that, that is socially acceptable. Okay, y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. It's easy for you to talk about uh, laying aside uh, 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 the trauma of your past and your hurt and your pain because that's real cute and pretty at an altar call and somebody will come while you're on your knees praying and rub your back and tell you, Jesus, Jesus, it'll be okay. But you brag about the fact that sometimes uh, uh, you still like to get drunk on the weekends because people embrace that even if God doesn't embrace it. And you got to understand that God ain't just calling you to lay aside the stuff that you don't like. God is calling you to lay aside the things that he don't like. Even if you don't like it, even if you like it. Yeah. Oh, I, I know it's tight, but it's right. You, you got to hear what I'm saying. Uh, because the, the reality is uh, we brag about the fact that we still smoke a little bit, that we still drink a little bit, uh, that we still listen to a certain kind of music, that we still do this. And, and grace is cool. Let me help you. But can I, can I, can I explain something to you? Um, the reason why we started preaching that having a drink wouldn't send you to hell was to make people comfortable who still struggled with that so they could come to Jesus. Not to make saints who didn't drink feel like it was okay to go get one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason why we see the, 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 the dude in his 20s wearing his jeans and his hat in service and we tell him, bruh, Come as you are. You won't stay at you as you are. It's not about clothes. It's about souls. Was to make him comfortable so he could get God. Not to make kids who grew up in church and know better feel like they could sag their pants and put on hats in service. 
And the problem is we've taken things that God has extended to win people and made them weights for us. It's deliverance for them out there, but it's become weights for us in here because the problem is we've got people who've gotten too familiar with the mercy of God. So instead of using the grace of God to lay aside weights, we trample on the mercy of God and pick up weights and we start bragging about stuff that folk that really been out in the streets wish they'd never done in the first place. Yeah, see, this, this is what I've learned after almost, after almost 15, God, almost 16 years of pastoring people. Can I tell you what I've learned? People that really got a story don't like to bring that stuff into the church. People that's really been through something don't like to bring that mess into church with them. It's only stuck up, self-righteous, religious church kids that want to brag about the fact that they still do stuff that people who've really been delivered don't want to do no more. And you got to get to the place that you're willing to remove it once God reveals it. Yeah. But not only must I remove it once God reveals it, I, I'm almost out of time. Uh, I got to remember to leave it down once I've laid it down. Yeah. I've got to remember to leave it down. God, help me. Once I've laid it down. The, the problem with New Year's resolutions is that we're experts in starting things, but oftentimes we're failures at finishing things. And it's the same when it comes to laying aside spiritual weight because many of us are able to get emotional after a message or after a worship experience. You know, Holloway will be in here singing real good and we'll decide that we're going to stop doing things that we know we're not supposed to do. Uh, things that we know that are not helping us uh, become more like Jesus. But when the emotional high wears off and we're faced with the harsh reality that it's hard to leave some things that you like. We often find ourselves picking up the things that we've just laid down. Okay, y'all ain't going to be honest with me. Have, have you ever told yourself that you were done with a thing or with a person or with a behavior, but somehow or another you found yourself back at it again? Okay, uh, who going to be real with me? Uh, have you ever told yourself you're going to cut off a toxic relationship? You're going to quit talking to a certain person, but then on Saturday night you roll over and be like, Lord, what have I done? Why is this person in my house? What, why, why, why am I still talking to him on the phone? It's because it's easy to lay it down. Down, but it's hard to leave it down oh God but God is challenging us not just to lay the weight at his feet but to leave it at his feet not just to put it down but to keep it down and I'll give you a hint to do it it's going to take the power of the Holy Ghost uh, let me give you a quick lesson in theology and pneumatology specifically the Holy Ghost does not exist just to give us gifts and to help us speak in tongues and to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. The Holy Ghost does not just come to give us the power to prophesy and to give us a, a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom. The Holy Ghost does not just come so that we can heal the sick and raise the dead. But the Holy Ghost comes to give you the power to walk away from what you want to walk into. The Holy Ghost gives you the power to put down the phone when you want to pick it up and text somebody. The Holy Ghost gives you the power to leave it down once you've laid it down to walk away from it after you've put it at God's feet and that's why you can't try to do sanctification in your flesh you can't lay aside the weight without the power of the Holy Ghost it is the Holy Ghost that conforms you into the image of Jesus Christ it is the work of the Holy Spirit that, so that at the end of the day when you see God you don't look like you anymore but you look like Jesus Christ that's why the Holy Ghost comes into your heart he comes into your heart to transform you and to make you like Jesus Christ and if you're going to do it you've got to be able to leave it there once you've laid it down God help me and is there anybody here who can declare God if you give me the power to lay it down I'll, I'll leave it there if you give me the power to lay it down I promise you I'm not going to pick up that bitterness I'm not going to retreat into my defense mechanism of anger anymore I'm not going to retreat into the place where I've always been I'm not going to retreat into low low self-esteem and to lust and into pornography and to perversion God I'm not going to retreat into lying and cheating and gossiping God if you help me lay it down I promise I'll leave it there 
Oh, God, I'm almost done now. He says, I got to be determined to remove it once God reveals it. I got to remember to leave it down. God, help me. Once I've laid it down. But then thirdly and finally, if I'm going to achieve my weight loss goals, I must mature. Hear me now. Listen to me good. If I'm going to achieve my weight loss goals, I must mature past the milk of mercy and win the race with the power of grace. Yeah, I've got to mature past the milk of mercy and win the race. God help me with the power of grace. Let me say that one more time for the people in the back. I got to mature past the milk of mercy and win the race with the power of grace. Oh, God, this is big and it's going to challenge a lot of us because many of us as Christians have developed an over-reliance on the belief that God will have mercy. Yeah, and he does. But the reality is that God never wanted us to depend on mercy to get back. Let me help you because many of us don't understand that there is a difference between mercy and grace. Mercy is when God decides to withhold punishment that we do deserve because of the things that we've done. He shows this to us in salvation because the wages or the fair payment for sin is death. But instead, because of his mercy, the gift of God is eternal life. And while as fragile, fallen, broken human beings, we'll always need the mercy of God. God wants us to mature to the place where we are not always counting on mercy to pick us up after we fall. But instead, God wants us to rely on his grace so that we can say no to sin in the first place. Okay, let me help you. Mercy then is reactive. Yeah, it's, it's reactive. You, mercy kicks in when you've done something that warrants punishment. Can I teach it before I preach it? Uh, mercy happens when you've made a mistake. And you're supposed to get your butt whipped for it. But instead of tearing your behind up, God gives you mercy. But that's not grace. Yeah. Mercy is not grace. Grace is the divine help of God. Yeah. It's when God gives you divine power and enablement so that you can do what he's calling you to do. And become who he's calling you to become. And if we're going to win this race, we cannot be so immature that we begin to abuse the mercy of God so that we can continue to fall under the weight of worldliness. God help me. I, I got to hang out here for a minute because well, the, well, the biggest problem that we have now in church, uh, I'm going to make some legalists angry. Uh, homosexuality is not the biggest threat to the body of Christ. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, it's not even the biggest threat to marriage, homosexuality. Yeah, the, the, the biggest threat to the body of Christ is carnal Christians who are determined to act like the world. The reason why the church has no power in the world is because we've sold our power to fit in with the people that we're supposed to change. Yeah, 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 you, you know... We, we do things, crazy things, right? And try to say that they're ministry related or that they're ministry tools. And, and I just want to have common ground uh, with them. So, so I, I talk this way and I, I watch these shows and I do these things and, and, and I, 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 I behave this way because I want to have common ground. You didn't share your faith before you did that stuff. Didn't nobody know you were a Christian before you bought that necklace with a cross, before you got that scripture tattooed on you, didn't nobody know that you were a believer. And the problem is, we want to use mercy as an excuse to be like the world when God says, I want you to be in it, but not of it. You can't save who you try to fit in with. You can't correct the people whose approval that you crave. Oh, God, let me help some leaders here. The reason why many of us can't lead is because we're too focused on wanting to be liked. You can attempt to be like a bull, but your goal is not to be liked. Your goal is to get these people out of danger over here to the winning side. 
Yeah, when, when, when a parent sees their child wandering out into oncoming traffic and they snatch them by the arm out of oncoming traffic, they're not concerned about whether or not the baby's arm hurt. They'd rather have the baby have a hurt arm than a lost life. And too many of us are so focused on getting the world to like us and to appreciate us and to get us on their level uh, that, that we've lost the fact that God doesn't want us abiding in mercy, but he wants us to live in grace. God, help me. And that's milk. Yeah. Yeah, you thought you were mature. Uh because you found out that doing something wouldn't send you to hell. But that's not maturity, that's revelation. Maturity is evidenced by what you do with revelation. Yeah. Your maturity is evidenced by the fact that you know, yeah, uh, I can join a fraternity and a sorority. They ain't going to send me to hell, but I don't have to join one to have identity. I can still be me. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Maturity is evidenced by the fact that you know God ain't going to send you to, to hell for getting a tattoo. But, 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 but you also know that you ain't got to get one to fit in with nobody. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, that, that's maturity. Uh, maturity is evidenced by the fact that I know I can watch certain things on television. I can listen to certain music and it ain't going to play demons into my house or put demons in my spirit because God has sealed me into the day of promise by his Holy Spirit. I get that, but I also understand that there are certain things that I don't need to have in my system if I'm trying to act like God. Woo! And let me help you. Some of the stuff you're watching on TV uh, and the music you're listening to ain't helping you become like God. And everybody's always, when they with me, they were like, Pastor Josh, why you don't listen to this? And Pastor Josh, why you don't watch that? And they think, you know, I guess they think, Joe, I'm a square or something because uh, I don't do that. No, it's not that I'm a square. I know I got enough problems without help. For me to put stuff on TV and on the radio that's going to add to the issues I know I already got. If I already got problems cussing folk out, I don't need to watch a show where six women are married to medicine cussing folk out every week. If I already got an issue controlling my flesh, I don't need to put something in front of me that puts flesh on parade because I already got enough issues in myself. And some of us don't know ourselves well enough to know what we don't need. Paul says all things are lawful. I'm a grown man. I can do whatever I want. But everything is not expedient. Everything I'm doing is not helpful. And the only way you can know if it's helpful is if you have a right understanding of what your goal is in the first place. And the goal of the believer is not for you to be entertained. It's not for you to be cultured. It's not for you to be popular. It's for you to be like Jesus. So you got to look at the stuff that you're putting in your system and say, how is this helping me become like God? Oh, God. And some of us uh, are not, if we, if we use that measuring stick, some of us are not as committed to Christ as we act like we are. Yeah. We're more committed to the look of Christ than we are committed to being led by Christ. Yeah. Uh, because we're trying to figure out uh, what, what we can keep and still be called Christians. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, help me. Uh, uh, let, let, let me give you this example. And I'm done. I, I, I'm through now. Uh, let, let, me, let me give you this example. If, if you were in a relationship, say you were in a relationship, ladies, I'll, I'll use ladies. Let's say, say that you, you're, you, you have a guy uh, that wants to be in a relationship with you, wants to be in a committed relationship with you. And, uh, you, you know, you're having the relationship talk with him about, you know, what you what your guidelines or parameters for relationship would be, what a good relationship uh, would be for you. And uh, the gentleman then pulls out a list of negative relational behaviors uh, to ask you, uh, can I do these things and you still be with me? Uh, uh, can, can I text my ex a little bit? Um, uh, can I go out to the club, to the strip club with my homies on the weekends? Uh, can I, can I, and, and he gives you all these things that he can, that he wants to still be able to do and keep you. You would look at him like he was crazy because he still wants to do 
unrelational things, but still have the benefits of relationship with you. And we wouldn't accept that from somebody who is courting us, but we want Jesus to accept that from us. Oh, am, I, am I tripping? Uh, or, uh, yeah, because we want God to say, okay, uh, Lord, I can withhold the tithe, but you know my heart. God, I know church started 904, but I'm going to get there at about 925 because they sing a little too long. But you understand, don't nobody like to stand up for all that worship. God, God, I know that you said don't let any corrupt communication come out of my mouth. But uh, you know them Negroes was trifling. Let me talk about them to my homie for a little bit. And we want God to accept things from us that we wouldn't accept from anybody that wanted to be in relationship with us. Because we're living on milk. You a baby. I know you thought you was mature and you real deep and you spiritual and you blog sometimes and you prophetic and you anointed and you can do all this stuff. But if you're still relying on mercy, then you're a baby. But God says, hear me, God says, I don't want you to rely on mercy. I want to give you power because mercy, hear me good, picks you up when you fall. But grace has the power to keep you from falling. God help me. Jude says, and there's a reason why I quote it before I close out every service. Jude says, now unto him who is able not to pick you up when you fall. Not to dust you off after you've fallen. Not to nurse your boo-boos after you've fallen. But he says you got to see God as being bigger than reactive. you got to see God as being bigger than just being able to respond to your sin. But you got to see God as having the power to keep you from falling. God, help me. Oh, God, look at somebody and tell them you can stay away from it if you want to. God, help me. Oh, God, God, God. God says you can stay away from it if you want to. Look at somebody and tell them you've had mercy God help me oh God but God is about to give you grace oh God and grace will keep you from falling God help me I don't know who I'm talking to but is there anybody here who knows that the Lord is a keeper that he'll keep you from falling that he'll keep you out of sin that he'll help you say no has anybody had to say no to some stuff while we were on this fast as a matter of fact, some of us had to say no this morning. We had to say no last night. We had to say no last week. We've been saying no to the sin that would try to easily ensnare us. And God says, I'm giving you grace for that. I'm giving you grace to be able to walk away from stuff. Stop depending on mercy to dust you off after you sleep with somebody that you know ain't got your best interest at heart. Stop relying on mercy to heal you after you invest your time into the wrong relationship. Stop relying on mercy to pick up your feelings after your friends have walked away from you and church has hurt you and let you down but God says I'm giving you grace to be able to make the right choice in the first place God says experience is not the best teacher because experience will cause you pain that you don't have to go through but obedience is the best teacher obedience will spare you from some stuff that experience will scar you with experience will hurt you but grace will help you stay away from the pain and God told me to tell somebody that he's getting ready to give you grace to win the race God help me oh God so then so then so then the writer of Hebrews God help me tells us to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us yeah oh God that that sin that sin that ensnares us I spent a lot of time talking about the weight but he, he says the sin beloved the sin that so easily ensnares us he's he's telling us that there were some things that are weights yeah, but then there are other things that are sins. Uh, the Greek word for weight is actually an impediment. It, the, the picture is painted in the Greek text of someone who is wearing ankle weights preparing for a race. God help me. Uh, uh, my sister ran track. She was an all-American track star when she was in high school. And, uh, uh, and she used to wear ankle weights uh, during the week. But on the day of the track meet, before she put on uh, her, her uniform to run track, she would 
would remove the weights off of her ankles so that she could run at full speed. It would make no sense for her to get in the race with ankle weights on because the weights would stop her from achieving her goal of victory. That's what the writer is talking about when he says lay aside the weight. He's saying you're in a race now and it doesn't make sense for you to run with weight on. The weights are helpful to you uh, while you're training. God help me. But now it's time for you to take the weights off. But then he says and the sin. Somebody say the sin. Yeah the sin which so easily ensnares us. Uh, uh, the new, the new uh, American Standard Bible says easily entangles us. The NIV says clings so closely. God help me. Uh, uh, so what he's saying is that there are weights that are, that are uh, designed to slow you down, beloved. But then he says there are sins that are easily entangling you, clinging to you so closely. Uh, the picture then is painted in the Greek text of someone who comes to the arena, these Olympians, these people in the Roman Empire, when they're coming to the competition, they would come to the competition wearing robes that signified their town of origin, that there were long flowing robes with long trains and big arms. And uh, uh, before the race came, uh, before the race started they were expected to take their robes off because if they tried to run with that long flowing robe on it would trip them up and cause them to fall during the race Do you hear what I'm saying so he says uh, not only do you lay aside the weight uh, but you also lay aside the robe that would trip you up because the weight is designed to slow you down but the sin is designed to take you down God help me oh Lord you missed it uh, weights are designed to slow you uh, but sin is designed to make you fall okay you don't get it you don't get it uh, if a person falls uh, if a person fell uh, during a race in those times uh, nowadays you're still allowed if you hit a hurdle my sister was a hurdler if you hit a hurdle and you fall you're still able to get up and finish the race. But back then, if you failed during competition, you had to exit the track. God help me. Uh, if you failed during competition, you were thrown out of the race. And so the Bible says, not only do you lay aside the weight, but you got to lay aside the sin that would try to knock you down. God help me. Oh God, Pastor Josh, what are you talking about? If we're laying aside the weight, uh, aren't we also laying aside sin? No, uh, because some of us are churchy enough to not have bad habits. Uh, but we still got sin in our heart that we won't release. God help me. Okay, uh, let me help you. Let me help you. Let me help you. Weight then, by definition, Tiffany, is something that everybody can see even if you don't see it. But sin is something that's between you and God. So sin then is something that you got to release when can't nobody see you. God help me. Uh, sin is something that you can get away with in the private corners of your own prayer ground because don't nobody know that you're dealing with it but you and your creator. But God said that if you really want to win the race, you got to lay aside the public stuff and the private stuff. God help me. You got to lay aside the stuff that only that, that everybody can see and you also got to lay aside the stuff that nobody can see but you. Because there, there were things in your life, beloved, that can't nobody see but God. And, and God is giving you the privilege of privacy so that you can lay aside this stuff and get yourself together. Oh, God, I, I, I wish I had more time. But, but somebody needs to understand uh, that God has given you the privilege of privacy, not so that you can keep slipping and tipping and doing all the stuff you're doing, uh, but God... Uh, it's giving you the privilege of privacy so that you can get yourself together. God, help me. Uh, God is giving you the privilege of privacy so that you can lay it aside. God, help me. Uh, I, I'll never forget, I, 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 was, I was getting, uh, I, me and my, friend, my family were getting ready to go uh, to an anniversary service for my mother and my father. And we were all uh, getting dressed. And my sisters were a little bit older uh, than my, my sister Rachel was a little bit older. And so uh, previously, previous anniversaries, uh, our mother and father would pick out the outfits for the whole family so that we could all be uniform. But because my sister Rachel was a junior in high school, they decided they were going to let Rachel pick out her own outfit. She just needed to pick the color. My sister Rachel then, because uh, she decided that she she was grown uh, and she was going to get something that she wanted to get. Uh, she, got an, uh, she got a dress that was inappropriate. My mother saw the dress that was inappropriate and did not make her take it back. But instead, my mother went to the store 
and bought her a dress that was appropriate, hung it up in her closet, Michelle, next to the inappropriate dress. My sister then decided on the way to anniversary service or before we went to anniversary service that she was going to wear what she wanted to wear in the first place. But let me tell you how smooth my mom is. My mom didn't want to embarrass my sister in front of all of us uh, because she had on this little dress. It was a little short, a little tight. It wasn't churchy. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It, it, looked like, it looked like a homecoming dress. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, so my, 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 my sister put on the homecoming dress to go to past the anniversary. Mama wasn't feeling it. Uh, but my mom didn't want to bust her out. So what my mom did is when Rachel came upstairs out of her room, my mom gave her a look and said, and Rachel, somehow or another, was able to decipher the look that my mother gave her and went downstairs and changed the dress and came back up in the appropriate dress that my mother had bought. And, 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 and years later, years later, uh, probably when I was getting ready to preach a sermon, I asked my mom, I said, Mom, uh, what did you say to Rachel that made her change her dress? My mom said, well, I understand that if I embarrass Rachel... She's going to rebel. So because I love her, I gave her the privilege of going downstairs and acting like she decided to change her own clothes rather than me embarrassing her and telling her to change them myself. And you don't understand that that's what God is doing with some of you. God ain't allowed you to get caught up in your mess because he's hoping that you understand that grace is being extended to you so that you can change your behavior. But the problem with rebellious people is we don't understand when grace is being extended. We think that God is just giving us a free pass to do whatever we want to do. But my mother told me something that blessed me. Had she gone downstairs and came back up in that dress after I gave her a chance to get it together on her own, then she would have gotten embarrassed. But thanks be to God, she caught the hint and put on the right thing God help me now in order for my sister God help me I didn't even put this in my notes in order for my sister Rashad to get dressed appropriately she had to take off something God help me and put on something else God help me you don't get it yet if you're going to be like Jesus not only do you have to take off weight God help me oh God but you got to be willing to put on something else God help me oh God what do we put on Pastor Josh well uh, uh, Paul says in Ephesians 6 that we have to put on the whole armor of God God help me oh God so now you got to take off the weight God help me and put on the armor of God God. You've got to take off sin. God help me. And gird your waist with truth. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. God, put on the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness. Taking the shield of faith. Wherewith you may be able to douse all the fiery darts of the enemy. God help me. you got to lay aside the weight. God help me. And that's all I came to tell you beloved. I know you think you've had the weight on you for so long that you're not going to be able to get rid of it. I know you feel like you're not going to be able to lay it aside because it feels too good to you. You still remember how it used to feel. You still remember what it felt like. But God told me to tell somebody that you can lose the weight. God, help me. Oh, you can lose the weight. And is there anybody here who's determined that you're going to lay it down so that you can be like Jesus? God, help me. Oh, God, that's all I want to know. Is there anybody here who can say, I'm laying it down? so I can be like Jesus I'm taking all of my bad habits I'm taking all of my pain I'm taking all of my hurt I'm taking all of my sin and I'm laying it down so that I can be like Jesus is there anybody here that can say I've got some issues but I'm laying them down so that I can be like Jesus I've got pain in my heart but I'm laying it down so that I can be like Jesus. I've got some proclivities, some habits, and some attitudes that are not conducive to the work of God in my life, but I'm laying it down so I can be like Jesus. And is there anybody here in the building today that's determined that I'm not going to let anything stop me from being like him because he didn't let anything stop him from getting to me ain't 
Ain't no mountain high enough to stop him. Ain't no valley low enough to stop him from getting to me. And ain't no habit, ain't no behavior, ain't no desire great enough to keep me from getting to God. And if I gotta let it go so that I can have more of God, I'm gonna let it go so that I can get everything that God wants me to have. I got to get out of here now because some of us don't understand it yet. You're looking at me and you're saying, Pastor, there were some things that are helpful, that were helpful to me in the last season, but they're not helpful to me in this season. And I'm having trouble letting them go. There were some people that were good to me in the last season, but I don't think they're good for me anymore. But because of the past we had, I'm having trouble letting them go. Can I tell you a revelation I got while watching the news one day? I was watching the news several years ago, back before NASA ended the space shuttle program, and we were watching one of the last shuttles to be launched into space. And I had never seen a shuttle launch before. And while I was watching the shuttle, there was a small shuttle attached to three large rocket boosters. And when the rockets hit ignition, they carried the shuttle up into the upper atmosphere. But when the shuttle got ready to break through the upper atmosphere, something interesting happened. The shuttle then released the rocket boosters and they fell back down into the sea. And I didn't understand it. I didn't know how something that used to be helpful could just be cast aside and laid into the sea. I didn't understand how the shuttle could be so ungrateful to the thing that had helped get it to the next level. And so I had to ask somebody that was smarter than me why in the world did the space shuttle let the boosters fall down into the sea? And my friend told me that the rocket boosters were full of fuel that are designed to only carry the shuttle to a certain point in the sky. And when the shuttle it gets to the appointed place, it has to release the rocket boosters because if it holds on to the rocket boosters the thing that helped it go higher will begin to weigh it down and it won't be able to get to its destination and I said wow so you mean to tell me that there are things that can help me fly in one season that'll hold me down in the next season he said yes sir he said, but let me bless you with something. After the shuttle releases the rocket boosters, the fuel that it has on the inside propels it to its final destination. And God told me to tell you that there was some level that you need help to get to. But this next place, God said, I put something on the inside that's going to carry you to your final destination. Look at your name and say, name oh, oh, neighbor. God said there's something on the inside that's going to propel you to the next place. God said you need it. You need You needed help on the last level but on this level I'm gonna help you 
all by myself. It's just you and God going to the next place. And don't worry about who you have to let go. Don't worry about what you got to lay aside. Because God said I'm protecting everything concerning you. I asked my friend. I said, bro, you got to help me. What happens to those rockets that get dropped into the sea? He said, man, something beautiful happens. Because even though they can't help that space shuttle any longer, they're still good enough to help another shuttle before it gets to that level. So NASA will send the Navy into the sea to get those rockets out of the water and they'll take them back to the base clean them up fill them up and use them again is there anybody here that's glad you don't have to worry about who you leave behind because just because they're not good for you that don't mean that the Lord can't use them again stop talking bad about your last pastor because just because you don't need them any longer that don't mean that the Lord can't use them again stop talking about your baby's daddy because just because he wasn't good to you that doesn't mean that God can clean him up and make him good not for you but for somebody else and you need to rejoice because what's a wait for you might be a helper for somebody else grab grab your neighbor's hand God I feel like preaching now grab them by the hand take them by the hand shake them and rock them rock them and shake them say neighbor you got some weight you got to lose and God will show it to you but you gotta decide to let it go God will show it to you but you got to be the one who will yeah 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 lay it aside grab somebody say neighbor you got to lay it lay it aside how do I lay it lay it aside you got to give it to Jesus because he's the only one who can carry the weight that's what the writer of Hebrews that's what he said he said therefore can I quote the scripture since we are surrounded by so great a clown a clown a clown a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares but I can hear in my sanctified imagination the Hebrew listeners asking the question pastor how in the world are we supposed to lay it aside how in the world are we supposed to lay aside every weight and I heard the writer of Hebrews say look into Jesus I said look into Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and now has been given is seated at the right hand of the throne of God is there anybody here that can say to lay it aside I'm giving it to Jesus I'm taking it to God the old saying oh God they used to say take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there come on here take your burdens to the Lord and 
church with me. I guess this is for the podcast and the YouTube audience. But is there anybody here that can say, I got burdens and I got weight that I need to take to God and leave him there? Yeah, yeah. And God said, if you give them to me, I'll carry every burden. I'll carry every stronghold. I'll carry every relationship. If you put it down, I'm telling you right now to lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset you, that so easily ensnares you. And if you give it to God, he will carry you through. Is there anybody here that can testify and say, that's my testimony? He will carry me through. That's why I'm standing here, because he will to him saying, neighbor, after this, I won't bother you no more. Say, neighbor, I got a question for you. Are you ready to give it to Jesus? Are you ready to lay your burden down? Say, neighbor, are you ready to achieve your weight loss goal? And if you're ready, I dare you to practice now giving it to God. How do I give my burdens to the Lord? Praise Him in the midst of your burden. And if you praise Him in the midst of your burden, you'll find that your burdens get light. So how do you give it to Him? midst of your song praise him when you don't feel like it praise him when you don't want to do it I dare somebody take 10 seconds and give him a praise right now